Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Let's pause our series chronology and backtrack to elaborate with a special guest on a topic briefly mentioned in one of our earliest episodes. We search for the first non-indigenous explorers to reach North America as we examine the many pre-Columbian transoceanic contact theories. Join me as we navigate the murky waters of French science and literature, pseudo-archaeology, fanciful tales, legends, myths, folklore, and pseudo-history. Pre-Columbian transoceanic contact theories speculate about possible visits to or interactions with North America, the indigenous peoples of the continent, or both, by people from other non-American continents at a time prior to Christopher Columbus's first voyage to the Caribbean in 1492. In this episode, we examine claims that most mainstream scholars and scientists view with skepticism, or claim to have disproven or debunked. Okay, let's get to it. Researchers have argued that the Olmec civilization, discussed in Episode 8 of this series, came into existence with the help of Chinese refugees, particularly at the end of the Shang dynasty around 1200 BCE. Other claims have been made for early Chinese contact with North America, including one based on 30 ancient BCE coins with a Chinese chronological cycle unearthed in British Columbia. Another states that Chinese Buddhist missionaries claim to have visited a location resembling portions of the California coast before 500 CE. And perhaps the best-known theory involves a Chinese fleet arriving in North America in 1421. Laszlo Montgomery of the China History Podcast has graciously agreed to share with us his unique views on this fascinating theory. China is a great and mighty maritime power in the early 15th century. The seven voyages of Admiral Zheng He that took place between 1405 and 1433. 1421 was the year of the sixth voyage. Now before we dive right in, let's put this period into some historical perspective, at least with what was going on in the West. The time period we're looking at today covers part of the 28 years of Zheng He's seven voyages from 1405 to 1433. This was the time of the House of Lancaster, of the Henrys 4, 5, and 6. It was also the time of Eric of Pomerania, a.k.a. Eric III of Norway, also known as Eric VII of Denmark. We're 77 years into the House of Valois in France in the time of the mad King Charles VI and the victorious King Charles VII. And when these great Chinese fleets are sailing out of the Yangtze estuary for the first time, it's only 55 years after the Black Death had devastated the European continent, 1348 to 1350. Zheng He lived after the time of Petrarch, but the Renaissance hadn't quite yet exploded in Europe. That came a little after the Seven Voyages concluded. So this is the time period, the Ming Dynasty, which ran from 1368 to 1644. So to get the whole thing going, 1403, the Yongle Emperor blows the bugle and calls for this whole shipbuilding project to begin. The whole idea of this maritime fleet had initially begun under the Yongle Emperor's father. It's said that in the Nanjing area alone in 1391, something like 
50 million trees were planted so that enough wood could be harvested to build the kind of fleet he had in mind. Nanjing is never going to be the same again. After he becomes emperor, the Yongle emperor plans this whole elaborate, comprehensive tributary system. He figures he'll send these ships out into the world, let everyone see them with their own eyes, see how much greater and more powerful China is compared to them. And then he'd get them to pay tribute. At the same time, trade will explode with all these states, kingdoms, and sultanates. And everything will be great. And China will have carved out their sphere of influence in all the important parts of the world. At this time in the early 15th century, China had been master of the seas for already half a millennium. The great naval tradition that began in earnest during the Southern Song Dynasty, 1132 to 1279, was now carried to its zenith under the Ming Emperor Yongle. China as a great and mighty maritime power didn't suddenly start in the early Ming Dynasty. 1405, Ma He, now renamed Zheng He the year previous, was 34 years old when the first of the seven voyages began. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. 1421 was the year of the sixth voyage. In Gavin Menzies' book, 1421, the year China discovered America, and we'll look at his version of events that happened between the sixth and seventh voyages. He makes some rather provocative claims about what happened during the last two voyages. In 1421, early 15th century, late Middle Ages to pre-European Renaissance, China is a great and mighty maritime power. At this time in the early 15th century, China had been master of the seas for already half a millennium. In Gavin Menzies' book, 1421, the year China discovered America, the evidence presented is very, very compelling. And besides all that, the story of the whole period is also presented in a fine way, I must add. 1421 came out in 2002, and Gavin Menzies followed up in 2008 with 1434. I checked out everything I could find on Gavin Menzies and what his side of the story was and what his detractors said. This guy has had everything and everything thrown at him. I read his book as well. I was convinced if all he said was true... I was on board. He had me. Columbus didn't discover America. Then I started checking around and listening to what all the naysayers said, and then suddenly I wasn't so sure anymore. What seemed factual became arguable. In fact, one of Mr. Menzies' principal detractors called Gavin Menzies a modern Mandeville. He finishes off saying, quote, This entertaining amateur detective novel, masquerading as revisionist history, should only be classified as fiction. 
there's quite a cacophony out there pointing fingers at this inaccuracy and that supposition and the authenticity of these maps or Mr. Menzies' interpretation of these maps and what certain things meant. And there's multiple cracks in the foundation that Gavin Menzies rests his case. You know, revisionism is such a dirty word in so many cultures and civilizations, but you know how it is. History is always written by the victors, or at least it used to be. In 1480, when Confucianists burned all traces of Zhenghe's logbooks, records, and maps, they destroyed the hope that later generations might know the truth about what happened. In doing this, they may have not only denied Zhenghe his rightful place in history, but also denied China an additional boost to their overall world stature. That's the most frustrating thing about this whole story. There are all these signs that Zheng He's voyages were bigger than we know. But despite all the claims of where he went and what he did, at the end of the day, these records have not surfaced and perhaps never will. Gavin Menzies or no Gavin Menzies, the Chinese in Zheng He's day certainly had the wherewithal to discover the remaining parts of the world that had been unseen by visitors from far away. Whether they did or not remains debatable, but even hampered by not knowing how to calculate longitude, the Chinese could have done everything, Menzies claims. There's just no hardcore, undeniable evidence that they did so. After something becomes the accepted version based on the combined research of an army of historians, anthropologists, scientists, and archaeologists all over the world, People take it seriously when out of nowhere something of this magnitude, like Gavin Menzies writes about, comes to the fore. If what this book purports to say is all true, that is a game changer in all respects as far as how we look at those years of exploration in the latter half of the 15th century and into the 16th. And rather than celebrating Columbus as the discoverer of the New World and declaring holidays in his honor, we should be celebrating Zheng He instead. And China, based on this achievement, might stand even taller in their shoes than they do now. If Columbus, Magellan, and da Gama were standing on the shoulders of giants, then everyone ought to know about this. To come out and say Columbus discovered America based on maps that were written by Zheng He's map makers long before 1492, well, that's quite a claim. For something that big, there had better be some rock-solid evidence and the evidence better be backed up by the academic and scientific establishment. So I haven't heard a loud enough roar to sit up and take notice and hop on this bandwagon. When I hear something that's a little more convincing and conclusive and maybe front-page headlines, then I'm there. I just don't see any groundswell whatsoever saying anything different than the established order of things, and that is, Zheng He's fleet never sailed past the Cape of Good Hope. It ended there or at least on the East African coast. Nonetheless, it's a great story. That shall remain a mystery, wrapped up in a riddle, inside an enigma. Join me again next time as we continue our search for the first non-Indigenous explorers to reach North America in this special Backtrack miniseries. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you enjoyed this episode.
The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.